on there, and I, I was honest. I said, this is a fabulous act. I've never seen a squirrel do something like this, a water ski. I don't know if it can be sustained, but I'm going to put him through to the next level. He's going to go forward. Okay. Uh, The average lifespan of a squirrel is from five to ten years. Oh, all right. Whatever. (laughs) But I I remember reading up on it. And uh, I said, because, you know, I was impressed with the squirrel. Well, I guess I had been so glowing in my review that the owner of Twiggy the Squirrel sent me an autograph photo of the squirrel. Now, here's where the archive comes into play. These things are whisked out of my hands. And immediately, our staff, which is an efficient staff, would save this stuff and send it right over to the warehouse where I store all these things. Oh, so you wouldn't even see it. Right. So now I'm paying to house, and by the way, it was boxed in archival tissue, boxed in an archival box, put in an air-conditioned room, mm-hmm. uh, under lock and key, Twiggy the squirrel in the, the autograph to Howard. Has an individual entry into our archive system with numbers and notes and dates and yeah. pictures. So, so keep in mind, I have to pay people now to maintain this thing, to archive it, to give it a number, to assign these, these are adults, actual adults, wasting their life with Twiggy the Squirrel. Look, the only Water way grab. that that display could actually work is if you had Twiggy. Right, stuff him. <laughs> stuff <laughs> next All right, to look. the picture. <laughs> anyway, throw, here's the bottom line. Throw it out. All right, I got to take a quick break. I'm going to be talking to the gorgeous, talented Charlize Theron. How is Charlize Theron? existing during COVID-19. She's got a new movie out. I saw it. I it's saw a, it too. Yeah, it's an action flick. I love it. It's, you know, it's it's comic book Lots stuff. Lots of That's fighting. My, she beats up everybody. She beats up everybody. How could that be a bad thing? Oh, she walks in. There's 20 guys in the room. They're all dead five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But we'll talk to her about it. But, uh, yeah, Twiggy the uh, squirrel is going in the garbage. <laughs> the picture of Twiggy. It's not Twiggy. You know, the, the people who archived that could have cured cancer, but they chose to <laughs> choose a career of t- archiving Twiggy the, the squirrel. So, yes, get rid of it, Jason. But uh, we'll be back. I don't think they later. had trouble figuring out that that needed to get be gotten rid of. Did it? Well, they probably looked at it and said, this got to be something to this. I mean, why would this guy <laughs> save Twiggy the Squirrel? If you look at my archive, you would say it's the work of a madman. No <laughs> one. Yeah, all over the place. You it's know, all but, over the place. But every, everything was saved, every scrap. We'll, we'll go back to this at some point, but let, right. me, let me go prepare for Charlize. I, I don't want to keep her waiting, obviously. She's gotten up early. She's in California. We'll, we'll be ah. back right yeah, We'll be back right after this. Yeah, baby. Man. I love that Van Halen. And I love Charlize Theron. Wow. Look at you. Oh, my God. Hi. Hi. Good Did Lord. Did we interrupt you? Yeah, what are you up to? I'm just so bad with these Zoom things. I never really truly know when I'm on or when somebody can see me. Or, so I am going to just, yeah. In How are you? Apologize for anything. I'm good. How are you guys? Well, I mean, I'm good. 
I'm a recluse anyway, so people say to me, how are you doing in in quarantine? I'm like, well, I think I've been quarantined most of my life. So yeah. it doesn't feel all that different, but I, I guess... And you, Robin, how are you handling it? I've had to quarantine before. I was on chemo, and I couldn't be around anyone, so I got used to this a while ago. So I, so I handle it very well. I have a system. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are are pros. Okay. Well, but I was of, but but all of our friends, me, you know, they're all breaking yeah. down and they see they're having parties, people are getting together, and I don't <laughs> know what's changed. There's still COVID-19. What are you doing? How are you approaching this? Give us your philosophy because you're a movie star and movie stars know more than yes, the general of public. Course. Let me of clear course. this up for you. Yes, you right. th you come to me for the straight. Um I I listen, and this goes without obviously saying that, you know, you don't ever want anything like this because the loss and the pain has been so horrible. So please just remember that everything that I'm saying from here on out, I acknowledge that. But I myself was looking for some time just home. I had kind of gone on that award cycle with Bombshell. It was like three months, four months of just nonstop press and, and, and trying to get that movie out into the world. And I, it was so strange because I said to everybody, I don't want anybody to call me. I just want to be home. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I just want to be home. I want to sleep in my bed. I want to make coffee in my coffee maker. I want to see my kids. And then this thing happened. Right. So it's well, all your fault. <laughs> I was just thinking, did you see me actually like the wheels were I was listening to myself going, Oh my God. So in I other apologize. words, you prayed to God that you could have some downtime and that you caused I, I think then, you know that I don't pray to God. So who do you pray to? Everyone is anxious to pray to whoever you're praying to. I know I am. <laughs> I think you should pray to whomever feels right to you. You know, I feel I guess I I, I this is sounds so ridiculous, but I do sometimes I, I say tiny little prayers just to humanity. Like sometimes I find myself so at lost with just with just how people behave that I just I send out little mass just in the hopes that my my prayer waves can reach, which they probably can't and they don't. But just to humanity, I just I don't know. What is upsetting you now about humanity? Because what is upsetting me is that people are not wearing to, not wearing masks to protect other people. That is, I have given up on humanity because it doesn't seem like that big a sacrifice to wear a mask when you're around other people. It would it would save lives. Yeah. What is your upset with humanity? To wash your hands or to just stay a little bit away. The distancing thing, like I never really, even before this. Um, pandemic. I never understood people who would say in one breath, I'm sorry, I'm sick, and then shake your hand. I never understood people like that. To me, that was so incredibly selfish. Like, you just acknowledged you're sick. Stay away. That's the nicest thing you can do for me right now. So I agree with you in this this kind of uh, what to me feels like victrol is kind of, I don't know, like puffing of the chest out, just, you know, this that our 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 president is trying to kind of engage in out in the outside world with people and 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 not wanting to acknowledge that science matters that we have information that why would we not 
why would we not keep people safe? Like that to me is just, yeah, it's, it's infuriating for sure. And when you see that ticker on CNN and you see how many people are passing by or just the, the use, the unnecessarily amount of infections, it's incredibly upsetting, but yeah, there's a lot going on right now that I think, you know, like the old song says, uh, things that make you go, "Mm." like we're thinking about a lot of stuff. We should be thinking about a lot of stuff right now. I was thinking about you specifically. Um, when you have a face like yours, is it a super bummer to wear a mask? In other words, you've, you've been blessed with unbelievable beauty. Oh, my God. And Jesus. for you to put a mask on, is it's probably like, God, I'm so beautiful. It's a, it's a shame that I have to wear a mask. And I, look, I saw pictures of you in the paper in a mask, and I went, God, I mean, why cover that face? Everyone else, I mean, I I thank God they're a mask now. I, and, and I don't know why people are uptight about it. You look like me. I look better in a mask than I've ever looked. I look 20 years younger. <laughs> covers my neck, everything. <laughs> it's awesome. No, but I, you, know I, you have put a lot of thought into it. I appreciate it. I wear the mask because I, I, I want to keep myself and everybody else safe. But I will say this. Um, when people are like bitching and complaining about how uncomfortable it is, or it's so hot and I can't breathe. I'm like, motherfuckers, people in the medical field do this every single day for 20 hours a day to save our lives. Like the least you can do is to just wear it to the grocery store. I, I read about world war two and what that generation sacrificed during world war two, wearing a mask is not the biggest deal. And so, you know, look, you, you want to get back to normal. The, if everybody wears a mask, it, it actually drops the uh, COVID-19 risk to about 18% from 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And, so, and what is it? It's like a macho thing to walk around without a mask. But, you know, I always look, I was thinking about you. Is that what it you. is? You think it's macho? What you think he's doing it? Is it like a machismo? Is that what it is? I think the anxiety is is that the election will be lost because the the economy is tanking. We're we're in a terrible straits. People are now out of work. Uh, you know they can't make a living, so things are bad. So if everybody just wished away the virus and just said fuck it, we don't need masks, we don't need this, everything will be fine. It's it's like a magical thinking, and that's not how we're going to get rid of this thing. You know, it's crazy. Do you think he actually believes it though? Do you think? It is all just for his reelection, or do you think he actually believes it? I don't know. Why. I, no, I think it's about the ele- I don't know. I, I, it's just confusing to me why everyone isn't just getting on board with wearing a mask and saying, let's wipe this thing out. Let's not give it an opportunity to grow. But what's sad is how confused people are. You know, there are people who run around saying it's not really happening. COVID is a lie. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Beth and I are on like full lockdown and, uh, you know, we're just... She's lucky. I mean, imagine being locked in a house with me for months on end. And uh, <laughs> lucky it's, it's her. A, she's really very lucky. <laughs> lucky woman. And every once in a while, I crawl on top of her. Uh, she, she's just thrilled. She has everything a woman would want. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a life. Oh, Jesus. But I was thinking about your life. Honest to God, I felt bad for you because I, I, I saw in the newspaper or, or on one of the websites, you went out to go food shopping and you're wearing a mask 
And there wasn't just like one paparazzi picture. It was like every move you make, <laughs> there was a camera shutter going boom, 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 boom. And I went, yeah. you've got to be petrified. Like if you fall down or if you make the wrong move or you get, buy a box of cereal that isn't, you know, sugar free. Every yeah. Are you under tremendous scrutiny? And, I, and how are you holding up under that? Yes, my life is really hard. My life is incredibly hard. And and uh, I did. I think I know which which uh, trip you're talking about. It was the kind of restocking of all the kids' sodas in the pantry, which looked really good because it it looked like I bought a bunch of food, but really I was just buying a bunch of sugar drinks for my kids to shut them up during this period. <laughs> but it did not it did not go because it was just a bunch of like six packs sticking out of like root beers and cherry floats and like like horrible things that i now just i feed my kids because yes but are you aware that the camera in other words do you are you very aware that these guys are photographing every step you take on a shopping expedition in your mask in other words wouldn't one picture be enough? Are you aware that like every step you take, you're being, it's almost like you're on a movie set. Well, listen, you're, I wish they had your common sense of one picture is enough. But it's almost like this weird thing. Like they're going to wait for you to like pull your Velcro suit off, like your stripper suit and just like rip it off and like do a show. And it's like, it's like the hang around makes you feel like they're, they're, you're, you're expecting to do something more than just like doing what you're doing, which is strange. But I've, I'm in a place now in my life where, no, it's fucking horrible. Like, I no, I don't like it. It's stupid. It's, uh, you know, when people are like, yeah, me should, like, no, I shouldn't. Like, it's, I'm going shopping. Like, this is stupid. And what should you fucking care? And, uh, and my kids have like slowly kind of adopted that attitude as well. You know, there's, they get a little bit more earnest about it. Like if they spot them before me, my oldest would just be like, turn to me like super dead face and just be like, mom, they're outside. So <laughs> we, I don't know. I mean, we just get through it. It's so, it's so. Yeah. And listen, you put you I I always say this. You put it in perspective, you have a laugh about it, but you know, it is what it is. You got to I would be upset it. by it. I I I am not photographed like you are. <laughs> and uh I am yeah, I'm I'm an awkward guy. I mean, I'm very private and it would feel yeah. I would feel like, "Oh gosh, what if I am walking along <laughs> and I'm going food shopping and I'm wearing my mask and I don't look my best and this and that." I wouldn't want people to see me that way. I also I'm hunched over when I walk. I'm not I'm not in a, I'm not ready for to to be scrutinized like that. And then what if I trip? What if I put a bag in the car and the bag rips and now they're and then they're going to goof on me? I would yeah. be very very pained by all of that. I would. No. You should let that go. I I, uh, I, you know, I, when my kids are in school and we're not in lockdown, the, the, my, my oldest catches a bus at seven, but that means, you know, we have to wake up around like five forty to get both of them ready breakfast, make lunch boxes to make that bus. And, um, I, I remember being in a nail place or something and I was like, there was one of those tabloids lying down there and I, I saw a photo of Gwen Stefani and it was her saying goodbye at the bus stop to her son and she was in beautiful, her bus obviously takes off at 9am. 
Um, but she was just gorgeous and she was wearing these cute little boots and the makeup and the shades and she was hugging her son and next to her there was a photo of me in sweatpants with the label still hanging out on the outside <laughs> but uh, saying goodbye to my kids and um you know I look at that and I I part of me I guess just goes people must know that we're just regular fucking people trying to like make the bus like right no they don't because i always read the comments underneath online and, and it's always like look at charlie's you know why doesn't she get dressed what the fuck look at she's her ass look at her leg look at her week. foot you know what i mean what <laughs> she's gonna return those pants next week yeah yeah like who wears <laughs> pants like that at the bus it's just like Everyone's so fucking crazy. I, I mean, I was just looking at this going, you must go out of your mind with this stuff because. I, no, I, mean, I really don't. I don't. I really don't. I, you know, I think the older you get to, the more, the, the easier it is to just focus on the shit that matters. You just switch it off. You really do. There's a part of me that has always felt like, you know, if you even, even us just talking about it right now, just like gives them like a bit of a hard on, you know, it's like, don't, don't, don't even fucking, it's so stupid. It really is. It's so stupid. It's the whole idea of it is so stupid. I figured during COVID-19, there would have been a moratorium, like, you know, geez, everybody, even the photographers would have to go, you know, kind of hide in their house for a while, give everybody a breather, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, no, Charlize goes out to the supermarket and geez, there's like a ton of guys probably standing there watching you go shopping. And I thought it was pretty crazy. Uh, I don't it's know. So, I just... Isn't it so sad that that's the one spot that they can go to? It's not even like a cool place. It's not like, you know, back in the day when it was like Paris Hilton and clubbing and like falling out in wet, you know, pea covered alleys. Like now it's like Whole Foods. <laughs> like literally yeah. that's your best shot for a paparazzi shot is going to Whole Foods. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so are you in complete, in other words, it's you and your two kids, right? Yeah. And my mom, my mom quarantined with us because she lives two minutes away from us. So for the first two weeks, we completely quarantined. And then she actually took a little long. She took like three weeks. And then she started joining our family, you know, just to come for, and have dinner with the kids and with me every once in a while. And that's it. In other words, you don't have people cleaning your house. You don't have people uh, coming in at all. Uh, it's just you, the kids and your mom. That's it. Yeah, which is interesting because uh, it became a, a big, I know not just for myself, I've shared this with other moms, but it definitely became an interesting time where uh, I was like, listen, if I'm going to have to do laundry and clean this house up, then you two little fuckers are going to help out. So it became like this, right. it was like cleaning camp. They went to cleaning camp. They now know how to fold their socks up when it come out, when they come out of the dryer. They know I have so many adorable videos of my kids hoovering the house. It's really, it's really cute and folding, you know, laundry and they now can load a dishwasher perfectly. Like it's, this has been a really important time in their lives, I think. So in other so their words, homeschooling has mostly been just learning chores. <laughs> but isn't that an important thing to learn in life? Like, you know, I always said you need to know how to do your own laundry and you need to know how you make to make your own bed. And that's what we've been working on. I'll tell you what, I 
We are now doing so many things for ourselves. And now if we make the slightest mess after we just cleaned up, we both yeah. get on each other's nerves. Like we're like, are you fucking kidding? My wife said to me, are you fucking kidding? You're going to put a cup down on there? I just finished wiping that all down. I go, yeah, but what am I? Well, I'm cleaning my bathroom now. I do use this spray and towels and stuff to wipe off the bathroom. And, yeah. I, and I cleaned my whole bathroom just this weekend. And then I had to wash my hands afterwards. And I was so upset because it, I dirtied up my sink already. Oh, it, yeah. It's, do you it, have OCD? You know, I always forget. I, do I ask you this? You have OCD, right? Really bad. I don't mean like people who go, oh, I have OCD. I organize everything. You know, no, no, no. I have real OCD. And more, uh, what, more focused to germs or actual mess? Just what, 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 rituals, what? mess, uh, everything. It's, it's awful. I have t- terrible OCD. Has it skyrocketed with all this stuff? Is the anxiety more? It is through the roof. I, yeah. I've been on the phone to the psychiatrist a lot, and I don't know how to break out of it. I can't get out of it. It's just the worst thing in the world. I, it's just torture, and it's gotten worse right. during this epidemic. I, I thought I was cool, but yeah. I'm now, and I'm so paranoid about touching stuff with germs. And I, I mean, how are you reacting? I think it's this is just not... It's not, you know, this is like the worst thing you can do to people with OCD. You know, it, yeah. I think it just, it, it's a constant trigger because you're in it. There's no escaping it. Um, I'm doing better now, but I was definitely, I went through a period where I was a little, um, like you, like, you know, just like overly concerned about everything, seeing everything, spotting it. My, my children p- pointed it out. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I'm better now. I don't necessarily, you know, I, I feel like there's nothing wrong with not touching things right now. So I'm kind of also in this like mindset of maybe I'm like, maybe I do need some help because I, my, the logic in my head is like, no, don't touch anything. Like, don't like when I go grocery shopping, I don't touch anything. I literally, I have learned how to open doors with my elbows and put light switches on with my elbows. Like I do not touch anything anymore. And I like my kids, I'm like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. But don't you find it exhausting, Charlize? Because I'm sitting here going, I ordered a pair of shoes online, right? The box came. I ordered, uh, even better, I ordered um, a a little box to put my art supplies in from Turkey. A guy makes these handmade wooden boxes and it it, it delivered to my house. And now I'm going, it's in Turkey. I'm on the online looking up how much COVID-19 is in Turkey. Then I have the thing sitting there for a week in my garage waiting for the COVID-19 to get off. Then I get it in the house. Then my wife wiped it down like 20 times, this beautiful <clears throat> little wooden box. Then I have to bring it upstairs and I won't even go near the damn box for another week. I'm, it's, it, I'm over the top insane about each little movement, everything. It's crazy. Beth is a saint. Like, a saint. You know what it's like to live with me? You have no idea. Move in with me, will you, please? I, I know. Thank you. I, it sounds horrible. It <laughs> it's sounds horrible. absolutely horrible. No. You I, know, Charlize, you were having fantasies about dating me, being my wife, about what it would be like. How sexually, great that would be. How great it would be. I'm here to tell you, I don't know that it's a picnic for you, honestly. I know you have these fantasies, but you ought to lighten up with that. I mean, I don't think it would be the easy. I mean, yeah, the sex would be great. Yes. And yeah, I'm really hot. <laughs> But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think yeah. it would be too much for you, really. We should think about it a little more. We should just think it through. Take, don't yeah, rush should, into anything. Yeah. Not rush Meanwhile, into anything. All, we, why do you look so? Time. Why do you look so perfect, Charlize? Have you had a haircut? This is what I, I'm looking at you. I believe oh, someone has cut this hairdo. 
No, I cut it really short. This is actually, you know, five months of growth. I cut it really, really short during the award season. I had like kind of like a buzz cut again, a bleached out buzz cut. And it's just now, it's now finally kind of like grow. I feel like my hair is like super slow, but it was super short. So it's slowly growing back now. Speaking of awards. children will not look at me anymore with short hair. Speaking of award season, you know, I was thinking the last time I saw you, I think that was the time you were with Seth Rogen and you guys had made that movie together. And then I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. That, uh, that portrayal of Megyn Kelly was insane. I mean, it Thank was, you. I mean, there wasn't, I think there were times, I know they gave you a little bit of prosthetic, but you look like freaking Megyn Kelly and you had the voice down. Because I remember watching a lot of Megyn Kelly. I mean, you had it down. And I know acting isn't an impersonation, but it seems like that was an incredible performance. And then they hosed you at the Academy Awards. I, I mean, uh, what, what, Renee Zellweger? How mad are you at Renee Zellweger and the awards? <laughs> How are you I'm feeling? Pissed. Right, of course you are. I mean, you were better than her, right? Yeah, a million times better. I mean, come on. Everyone's saying it. Everyone, even Renee, oh, kind of admits it. it. You're so full of it. No, listen. Thank you. First of all, that's very sweet. I, I, I always feel like you are not a bullshitter. So when you when you say something nice, I really take it to heart. You're like my no. Mom. It was like, it, it was a fan, it was a mind blowing. It was mind blowing that performance. Really, I kind of like now have her hair. Now that you right, see that, yeah. like, oh my god, I have the Megyn Kelly hair. Did you? <laughs> I mean, I know Megyn Kelly. Megyn, oh, let me hear your voice. Let me hear you do slip no, into no. Megyn. <laughs> Do it. I'm not going to do it. No. Oh, my uh, God. No. God, no. Um, no. It, what, what were we talking about? I'm saying, forget the award for a second, because we'll get back to that. But, you know, when you prepare for that, I just figure it's like what, you know, you'd have to watch like thousands of hours of Megyn Kelly just to get it down, right? I mean, it's it. that's a, that's a tough role to perfect because everyone knows what she sounds like. Everyone knows what she looks like. If you're going to pull yeah. it off, it's got to be perfect. Yeah. I felt like, you know, a lot of times people, whether it's like a filmmaker or, or a studio, just be like, Oh no, we don't care. Like you don't, to me, I feel like if you're going to tackle stories where in this time, in this moment, the person that you're playing is, you know, as, I mean, everybody knows who Megyn Kelly is, like people who you wouldn't even imagine. And the, 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 the challenge with her was her voice more than anything, because yeah, we're kind of like fair, blonde. We have very different shaped faces, but you can even put that aside. But the sound, her sound was just, you know, that was like the biggest thing for me. Every time we would read the script and I would read it in my own voice, just felt so, there was no magic behind it whatsoever. And, and Jay Roach, who, you know, our filmmaker on that was really encouraging and really kind of like having me figure it out for myself, like seeing how far I wanted to take it with the voice and with the prosthetics. And he was just so supportive down, down the whole thing, but the sound was definitely, it's strange. Like my, my job is somewhat all about OCD in, in a weird way for what we were just talking about. Like you're either in the gym five hours a day, changing your body and obsessively like learning a fight skill, or you're sitting at a table with a voice recorder and you're listening to some other woman's voice for five hours a day and trying to, 
not mimic, but to try and get into the rhythms, the cadence of that person's. It's so, it's such a weird job that we have, but I fucking love it. I love it. So, I mean, I just, I would sit in my car. I would always have her on in my car and I would drive around and I would just talk over her like while she was, cause she talks very fast. So she would, I would just hear her talk and I would just talk with her just fucking Megan. And I would just talk in my car all the time. Yeah. I compare it to painting. Like if I do a good painting, there's a point in a painting where you could give up. But if you're a really good painter, you keep pushing till you get it exactly right until every grain of sand on the beach. If you're painting a, a landscape looks perfect. And I think that's what the difference is between good actors and great actors you, you, you kind of keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you become the person. Do I have that right? Like you just don't give up on every little detail. No, I mean, I feel like otherwise don't do it. Like there's definitely a, a switch in my brain, like a, like a, I don't know, just something that says if you can't go and do it all out, then just don't touch it. Don't fucking touch it. Don't do it. So, you know, right away when they hire you or however it works that you get the movie bombshell, and you're going to play Megyn Kelly. Do you at first panic and go, oh, fuck, I don't know really if I can pull this off. I've represented yes. to them that I'm going to try. <clears throat> but is there a point where you start to lose confidence and go, I can't pull this off because this is playing a person that everybody knows. And it, Or do you know right away I'll be able to figure this out? No. Oh, my God, no. You're just in the dark because nothing obviously is going to be exact. It's not, you know, you're not making a documentary. So you know, it's not going to be exact. So you're just always kind of in the back of your mind thinking, well, how far away from exact are we going to be? That's really, I guess, how I gauge it every single day. And some days are a lot harder than other days. Some days you just, you just can't find it. And it's demoralizing and it kind of like eats away at your, just your, your, I don't know, your like the idea that you can maybe do it. You have, but it's really, I'm looking, (laughs) I'm looking at something. I worked with this incredible, Oh, voice coach um, on on that show. And I had a really, really bad day where I could not, she came over to my house and I could not, I just could not find the sound and the depth and the cadence. I couldn't find anything. And she, she left and she left this note on my table and it says, I don't know if you'll be able to read, but it says your inner outer Megan Kelly is still there just around the fucking corner. <laughs> And you I framed it. it in my I have it. She wrote it on a piece of paper, but it's shit like that. That just like, you know, gets you through the day that you're like, okay, okay. Tomorrow's a new day. I'll try it again tomorrow. And, and you mean you because, also- because it was a day where you were trying to become Megan Kelly. You were trying to get the voice down. You're trying to get the mannerisms. Yeah. And you said to yourself that day, and you said it to this voice coach, shit, I just, it's just not there. I, 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 I suck. I'm no good. I, all those negative thoughts that go into your brain were there. And she said to you, no, 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 it's closer than you think. Is that the point? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we were, I think I started panicking a little bit because I think we were like three or four weeks in, I was panicking because I had kind of busted a vocal cord trying working as much as I did with this voice coach because Megan has a very deep register. I think I just started panicking because time was running out and, and 
you know, when it's, I guess, like any performer, you just, you're starting, you want to rely on your body and your sensory so that you feel like something is just happening that you're not even controlling. And when you can't control it and time is running out, then you freak, you freak out a little bit. What do you mean course, you busted a vocal cord? Like, you mean you're trying to, Megan's voice is lower register than yours. And, and, and you, you, by pushing the voice for hours a day, by going like whatever the hell it is, you, you literally damaged the vocal cord. Yeah, I strained, I strained a vocal cord. Yes. Mm. So I had to go on vocal rest. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've known actors who have been on vocal rest. It is the most obnoxious thing because they, they, they suck everyone into it. It's like, I'm on, so pretentious. I'm on, vo- yeah. I'm on vocal rest. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so, I went on Megyn Kelly vocal rest, but not, not anything else. <laughs> vocal rest. So I, I don't know if I could ever explain to people the paranoia I've had in my career about my voice. And, and over, like there were times when, you know, doing a four or five hour radio show a day. And then I, I'd say, I can't talk anymore. You know, it, it, it becomes an obsession because you, that's your instrument. That's what you use to make your living. And, and, and in a way, it's like OCD again. You're so mm-hmm. worried about it that it, it, it actually facilitates some kind of damage to your vocal cords. You know what I mean? It, it hits you crazy. I mean, I feel like we can talk about this. We're kind of all in the same age range. But I, do you guys no, remember I'm, hearing your voice for the first time on a voice message, like a voice machine? Sure. I, I remember mean, it, I remember sitting in my, my bedroom making radio shows, you know, in, into a tape recorder. Before that, right? So, okay, yeah. so you had like more. So for, for somebody like me, I did not have a radio show. That was the first time I heard my voice back and I had a small seizure and it traumatized me for life. And I cannot believe that I'm in this industry where I have to hear my voice over and over and over again, because I, I don't know how people listen to it. See, now I would think most people would say, Hey, Charlize Theron has a really nice speaking voice. Like you could do voiceover and commercials and things and it would, it would be totally sellable. It's a nice voice. I, but I understand what you're talking about. When I got into radio, I could barely listen to my tapes. I, 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 I hated what I sound, I didn't sound like other radio people and it bothered me. I didn't sound like I was on the radio. I was looking for a sound. So people wouldn't understand that obsession, I don't think, unless they were in the vocal business. But it, it's very, you don't hear what other people, and, and, and you're critical, so self-critical that you just beat yourself up for your fucking voice. We all want what we can't have. I want a voice like Robin's. Like Robin, to me, that's like, that's an enviable voice. Like I would yes. love to sound like that. Yes, I would sit there with her on the radio and say, she sounds professional. I yes. don't. And yes. I, got, I got very upset. It was, it was the juxtaposition of those two voices didn't make sense to me. You never told me that. Well, it's none of your business. You right? never told me that. Oh, my God, I love it. You never no, told she me sounded, that. She sounded professional the day I met her. I, I sound like a kid, like yapping into the radio. It was horrible. <laughs> So what, you know, even I was thinking about this to go back to these award ceremonies. I, I think you would have liked the Academy Award for that performance bombshell. It would have been a nice thing. And when you went to the Academy Awards and, and, and that Renee Zellweger, a movie I didn't even see, very few people saw. Did you want to stand up and scream at the Academy and you say, what? You should see it. No, you should see the movie. No, she's unbelievable in it. And and I know that you you won't believe it or a lot of people don't believe it. But really, I got to tell you, it's not 
it's just never felt that way to me. Like whether I'm nominated or not, you know, there are there or whether you win or you don't, um, like none of that, I have to say, like, it's just, I guess there's a part of me that always feels like somebody's going to walk up to me and say, big mistake. Uh, you weren't invited. So can you please get back in your car that I just, I always have. So for me, the idea to even, I always think like, fuck that I'm one of four or five or how, you know, it's like a handful of actresses who get to go and talk about their movie and the thing that they love making. And, you know, that was a film that I really loved making. And for the sake of everybody who was involved, I just, I wanted, I, I just wanted people to go and see it. Like we were so proud of it. So all of that to me, I, I really, listen, I'm like a, a jaded bitch with a lot of things, but with that, for some reason, I don't know. I've always had like a good sense of like being really super grateful because I don't know, man. It's yeah. It's I mean, pretty... the whole idea of an Academy Award. To be serious, I mean, uh, uh, Renee Zellweger is a great actress, and you know, you, how do you? Prepare, and her you performance know? was unbelievable. Her performance. Yeah, and, I mean, it was a strong year. Everybody, every, that every single woman woman in that uh, category did amazing work. Did you have a speech prepared that you were going to give had you won the Academy Award? No, I've never, I've never really, I mean, unless I've like known I've had to go up to speak for something, like I've never really, and that to me just <laughs> feels like you're just, I don't know, bad juju. Like, no, like you should, I don't know. I mean, I yeah, have but- an, of course I would have an idea of who I would want to thank, but no, no, I didn't write anything. See, I would write something down because I would be afraid again that I'd forget to thank somebody who worked really hard on the movie. So when you won the Academy Award, you won when you were like 27 years old. Do you think uh, you went up there and just kind of wing it when you when you won for? Um, oh, Monster? fuck yeah! I mean, have you not seen that? I, I'm a I'm like wet paper towel. Like I'm just a mess. Like there's no cohesive story there whatsoever. Does winning an Academy Award or getting nominated for one? paralyze you because now you're you know you're, you're promoting this movie that i saw is coming out on netflix it's a totally different thing it isn't you playing megan kelly it's you doing a a comic book superhero in a sense and and um you know in a way do you sit there and go oh fuck i can't do a superhero movie now which is like a you know it's a it's a completely different thing i'm now so such a serious actress that i cannot do I have to go find another Megyn Kelly kind of role, like something with really heavy gravitas where I'll be nominated. Is there any kind of discussion with the people who represent you about what your next project should be? Oh, but just hearing you talk about it, it sounds so boring. I mean, who? I don't know if I would ever want to go and do the same thing. There's There's something about my OCD that is very much connected to... I know that I get bored really easily. So the idea of having to find things that kind of like make me feel scared and outside of my box and my comfort zone. And like, those are important things for me to really like feel like I'm creatively satisfied. So I could never go and do another. I would, I would, if I had to go and do another kind of more insular, smaller, serious, movie like bombshell right after I made that movie, I think I would just feel depleted. And like, what do you bring to that? Like I, I left that in that other movie and this film, the old, old guard. guard. It, yeah. The old guard is it, it felt like something. I mean, I guess I do. My career has always been kind of like a back and forth on, 
not that I've actively been searching, but, but as a company, we have been looking for something to produce that felt of this world that was more global, that felt bigger, more diverse. Like we wanted to kind of challenge ourselves outside of our comfort zone of like producing films like bombshell and, you know, long shot with Seth and his company. I mean, so, so it kind of, it just came at the perfect time. I like the physical challenge of these movies. And I felt like, I felt like, yeah, listen, I've been like sitting at the desk trying to sound like Megan Kelly for the last four months. It'd be nice to go and fight train with, you know, um, all of my, you know, old buddies from Atomic Blonde and, and Keanu's trainers and, and just fucking kick ass. Like, see, what you a see, job do I have? I guess what I'm getting at is I figure like these movies. This one takes- I will win the Oscar for. Yes. Old guard. <laughs> yes. Well, l- fuck l- you, <laughs> Renee. Yeah. I, Renee, I, let's I, see what you I do. With another action movie, Renee. But Charlize, here's the thing. It's like you, if someone's at your level of you can make whatever movie you want. I mean, you're at a great point in your career. You got to figure you can you're good for two movies a year to star in. You know what I mean? I mean, between the prep, like even on Old Guard, you probably trained your ass off. Uh, how many months do you train to do all that karate stuff? You're killing people almost Matrix style, not Matrix style, um, John Wick style. You're killing everybody, which I love. I love people killing other people in movies. Yeah. Um, I love how much you love that. That's awesome. I love it. I love yeah. it Be- because I'm such a pussy in real life that <laughs> I fantasize that I would be able to kick somebody's ass with, with all of that training. So you're probably good for two movies a year at the best. I mean, am I right? You can't shoot more than two movies a year. No, listen, and I don't, I don't really want to. I mean, I think the max I have done is maybe two. And that's also with us producing. So it's not just like showing up and like, you know, being an, an actor for hire. It means that, you know, you're developing the thing for a year prior, or maybe sometimes more. I mean, pretty much everything that I'm doing now is comes through my company. So it's a, it's a lot of work and I have two small children and I don't want to work that much anymore. And we have, what does it mean to produce a movie? What is, what does that mean? In other words, you've got to sit there and hire the director and uh, make sure the budgeting is right. I mean, you got to be a businesswoman to do all this stuff, right? Yeah. You say that like you're shocked. Well, no, because how the fuck are you (laughs) pulling this off? You got the kids, you got no help because you have COVID-19. You're busy producing movies and stuff. Yeah. I would have a nervous breakdown at this point. How are you juggling all that? Yeah, because you're not a woman. Us women, we can do this shit. I can't do that shit. I'm twice the woman you are, and I can't do all that shit. You're at least almost a woman. Come on. I'm I'm practically a woman. How many guys, you know, sit from their TV set waiting for The Bachelor to come on? I mean, come on. What are you talking about? Um, I I love that about you. I love that. No, listen, I, yes, I have a company. We, we, we've really grown in the last couple of years. We've, we've, you know, I think our slate has kicked out two movies a year which is a lot for us. Um, and right. then we have a television side as well that's super active. And so there's just a constant churning of things and development. Um, you know, so even like during this period of lockdown, we, you know, we haven't really stopped any of our development. That's just continued. I'm not, I know not just for us, for everybody in if my you, industry. But- Charlize, if you were my girlfriend and we were living together at this point, would my life be like we're hanging out and we're in bed and, I'm uh, sitting and reading like comic books in bed and you're reading scripts. Are you constantly reading scripts uh, with your glasses on? Um, 
that's what that's how I'm picturing our life. That you yeah. are always with a script in your hand, reading and looking at the next projects to produce. Is that correct? I I read I do read a lot. I don't read now. I don't read at night anymore, just because my eyesight is so bad. So I try to do my reading during the day. I, but I also, you know, I'm I'm in a place now where I kind of know how to get through material so that I can watch The Bachelor at night and have a glass of wine. Yeah. I prioritize. Let's just say that. Charlize's company actually produced uh, Mindhunter on Netflix, which was such a great uh, the, yeah. the, 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 the show about the FBI profilers. I love that one. That was just just the best. Loved it. Absolutely. I, I could ask Creepy you a million good. questions Creepy about good. that. Like, yeah. how do you even find something like that? But, but um, you know, with this movie that you're doing, that you're promoting now, it's going to be on Netflix, right? And, yeah. Um, which I like. I mean, everybody likes, but... You know, it seems like you're killing yourself. When you train with these guys who trained Keanu Reeves for um, his, his stuff, for John Wick, it seems like you're, you're, you're breaking your thumbs, you're breaking your ribs. Uh, the training is intense, and I'm, and I'm like, I thought there's stunt people for that stuff. Why, why are you damaging yourself as hot as you are? Go ahead, answer that question everyone wants to know. <laughs> I, well, you don't set out to do that. And it's very, it is very rare. I have to say, I mean, I've had, and even the thumb injury wasn't that bad. I just, I, I, it's a fluke accident. I, I grabbed on like at this, even if a stunt person this, did this, it wouldn't have helped. I, I grabbed onto a guy and my thumb got stuck in his like wardrobe and he turned and he just kind of bent my thumb back with him. So I tore the ligament off the bone and then you know, we just discovered like other little things like my elbow had a pinched nerve. But this is all stuff that even if I had a stunt double, it wouldn't change anything. I think I think the, the industry and the genre has really changed in the last 10 years where instead of having actors or stunt people fit into, you know, designed acting uh, um, action pieces, now you're they've reversed it. They really kind of there's this new idea. You look at the person that you're working with, you try to see their strengths and you work off that. So somebody like Keanu is a great example because I feel like he kind of set the bar for all of us. It was amazing to see, you know, him just walk into that John Wick character. And I feel like his entire team looked at him and said, he, he's really good at this, this and this and this. So why don't we just focus on those things and get him as good as we can? And then he's, a, you know, Keanu is one of the hardest working people that I know he's incredibly disciplined. So when you find an actor like that, you know, I'll work my balls off too. So, uh, and somebody goes, okay, you're strong at this. Like, let's focus on that. You're not strong. Like I remember the first action movie I ever did was a film called Ian Flux. And I hurt myself actually pretty bad on that because there was a level of like, it was reversed. It was like, we want you to be crazy supple because this character, this anime character that's not even real is like, you know, constantly in the splits or like, you know, in back bends. And I was like, it's not, I can't do that. So they put me with these Cirque du Soleil people who were lovely, but they were double jointed and weird. And I was like, I have three months. Like, I'm not going to be able to like, 
you know, smell my own asshole in a backbend. It's not going to happen. So let's find something that I can do. Well, an A in flux, but an A in flux, you almost got paralyzed. You fell on your head or something trying to do one of these wacky stunts. Because I have no business doing back handsprings. I'm not a gymnast. Right. You're not going to learn that in three months. So this, the, I think now for me, it's all about having the right team, sitting down with them and saying, listen, here's where I feel I have strength. And also going through a period with them where they, they really assess you and they see where you're at and what you can do. And if you have certain parts of your body that, you know, are maybe more pop- problematic or a knee or something, they can work around that. So that the long, the short of the long is you don't need a stunt person to step in and do something. You, you create it to be something that you can do. And that's what makes it fun. When you have, when you have, choreography that is there to celebrate you as an actor to tell the story not like make have a stunt person step in to make you look good it's like we're telling a story the actor is doing it they've worked for four months it's like rehearsal they know exactly what they're doing that's fucking awesome when you can do that so i'm watching you in this movie and i you know you know me i'm a sucker for movies like this i love this kind of movie but when you're so when you're training that hard and you're beating the shit out of actual human (laughs) beings do you think in real life if you got attacked, you could kick somebody's ass? Are you training that hard? Like, do you know actual martial arts? Like, could you beat me up? You probably could, I guess. I guess you could beat I think, me up. I think I, <clears throat> it's a combination of, no, I don't.